I'm Gab, he's Jules. No clue about the weather in West London because we're not there. <laughs> we're still in Doha. Yes. Uh, we're still in Doha, like France, like England, like all those teams that advanced to the quarterfinals. But we got one place to start, which is Argentina. Yes. I was at this game. So they played Australia. And Jules, the reason we're starting with Argentina, uh, of the four teams that they played, I think in some ways, this is the story that has the most layers to it. You know, France and England not really been tested uh, up to this to the, uh, up to the stage, arguably, I, yeah. I, I think, right? But I think with Argentina, I think they've had the tests. They've had against the questions. Who? Well, they lost against Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but that was right? not really a test. Um, but I think there's, there's doubts around them. And I want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah. And I want to talk about, because you played Australia, who you had said, these are the, this is the worst team in the yeah, tournament early on. I don't know if you still believe Australia are the worst team in the world tournament. They're just not a good team. Cup? They're just not a good team. Okay. So bearing that in mind, here I am. I'm at Argentina against Australia. Everything is going swimmingly for Argentina, right? There's no Di Maria, but that's okay because, you know, he goes with Papu, who's not great. But, but still, they're 2-0 up. They're cruising. And then, boom, 75 minutes. Shot from, I forget Goodwin. who it was. Goodwin. Sorry, from Craig Goodwin, that's right. Ball caroms off of Enzo Fernandez's back, loops over, and it's 2-1. And then all of a sudden you get a little concern. Moments later, Beige turns himself into Messi. In fact, earlier in the game, Jules, yeah. not everybody saw this. He got into an altercation with Messi. Yeah. I think Messi must have breathed on him, or maybe his spittle got into his face, and some of Messi's powers got into his body, because that run, yeah. that, that, would, that would have been Saeed or yeah, Although he's the one who caused the first goal, but anyway. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying he's a great player, but that run, that goal would yeah, have been... Yeah, 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 that run was incredible. Saved by Lisandro Martinez. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, you're Argentina. How are you nearly throwing this away? And then I look... I look at the numbers. I look at the stats. And until that sequence at the end when Lautaro could have had a hat trick but yep. screwed it up, Messi missed a chance as well, until that point, until like minute 88 or whatever, they'd only had three shots on targets. And one of them was a goal that Matt Ryan gifted them. And I think to myself, why are Argentina fragile? Yeah, they had only one shot on target in the first half, I think. That was the Messi goal that he took really well. He scored hundreds like that it was his 1000th game of course very special first ever goal in the knockout phase of a world yeah Cup. yeah he never scored before in the in in the knockout stage as you said uh he, that was his 789th many. goal or something many yeah. but this is a team that struggled to break other teams down because apart from messi the other, there's a lack of creativity there's a lack of intensity in how they play they don't use their fullbacks really i know acuna can go forward and Molina, I guess, to a certain extent, but I think they lack, they lack that kind of touch up front. It, it, it was really interesting and really kind of evident, even in this game, in some ways, even more than against the Poland game. Um, so there was no Di Maria who would have provided a little bit of, of creativity, I, I assume. But let's break this down for people who don't really understand football. There's only so many ways you're going to score, right? You either score because you have a, because either you press high and you win the ball high up the pitch and you score in transition. Argentina don't press. They can't press because Messi's there and they have other players who are just not suited to pressing, right? We yeah. agree on that. Yeah. Uh, you either you score because you have a center forward who holds up the ball, who can be a target man, receive crosses, lay people. All right, they don't have that. No. So they're not going to score that way. You can score through patterns of play. Uh, they don't have patterns of play. They can't have patterns of play because you don't ever know where Messi is. Yeah. And everybody has to continually adjust. The only way they can win thing. is if Messi does something special. 
And or maybe that's enough to win the World Cup. Maybe it's enough. Or or if you get a one-on-one, right? So play, running at an opponent, you create an overload or yeah, so but who, who? Yeah, but one-on-ones. Who Papo, I think, one theoretically no. was supposed to precede that. Papo's yeah, had no a horrible idea. tournament. That's yeah. why he was starting. He, you know, uh, Scaloni even tried to adjust it. He moved to back three really early in the second half. Too early. You can t- I see, it's funny, because I always say things for a colleague, Damian Di Donato, Di Donato from Argentina, and he said, oh, you know, maybe it's too early to try to put the game to sleep. Definitely. I didn't see it as a defensive move. I saw it as a move to release the fullbacks further up the pitch and try to maybe stretch them, try to get something different because he simply weren't creating any chances. But they didn't create much when they went to back No, line. it didn't work. So I think it was a defensive move because I know that there's, there's just, there's, they've got a thin margin. Of all the teams left in this competition, they're the ones with the smallest margin over opponents. And Amy Martinez said it at the end of the game. He said, Messi is 99.9% of this team. And he's the only one who can do something. He's but the only one who can win them. It's like this. Remember the whole but Messi dependencia and stuff? They, they, they supposedly wean fact, themselves though. off that. I know, but it's a fact. It's a, they might be more balanced. They might be more solid defensively to form a generation. But Scaloni said yesterday, this is the best performance by Messi since he took charge. And, and I think that says a lot. And I thought Messi was outstanding, to be fair. But I just don't know how far you can go just with him, just with him creating, just with him scoring, just with him doing something special, oh. doing a bit of magic, because the others might be the supporting cast and they very much are. The Paul is, Enzo is, McAllister is, and I love McAllister and I think, you know, he, he was inspired on the first goal and he compensates where everybody else moves, especially Messi, and you need that, that's great. But Alvarez doesn't do enough and they don't create enough really for him either. And it's too isolated. And then whether it's Papu or Di Maria or whoever else, I, it's too lightweight. I think they need that creativity. They need. I mean, look. So who can be, provide that? You can. Well, I think, and I know, like it's an anathema. You know, the, the idea is that oh, Dybala and Messi can't both play at the same time. I don't. You know my thoughts on Dybala. But if you're going to go out there and say we're going to win this through tight defending and moments, right? Mm-hmm. Messi's going to provide most of those moments. Who else can provide me those moments? Papu in theory, but then he hasn't. He's been terrible in the games that he's played. Lautaro needs to play with somebody. And obviously his head's not really right in this tournament. Maybe use him late in the game. Why not go to Dybala? Why not go to Correa? Why why not try these other guys? Because you can't rely only on Messi. But Dybala hasn't played a single minute in this tournament. He's not going to start in the quarterfinals. I don't think he should start. Maybe we should see him at some point. Yeah, but I I think if if Scaloni thought that Dybala could bring something to this team, he would have have brought him on already. I think this is going to be the same 11 against against the Dutch. And I think think unless suspension or injury for the rest of the tournament. And I think he's going to make very very similar changes. That Lautaro is going to come on. That Lissandro Martinez is going to come on. And this is how it's going to go. I hate to say this because remember you brought up weeks ago, oh, they're missing Los Celso. I'm sorry to wonder, maybe they are missing They are Lo missing Celso. The creativity and that you mentioned is Lo Celso in that team. And if you're going to try to impose yourself by keeping the ball, then maybe, maybe you're going to dust off, he might be tempted to dust off Paredes again if he thinks they're going to have a lot of the ball. Because you Enzo could play Paredes and, and push Enzo. I think Enzo played really deep against the Australian when he didn't really have to, but he brings the balance with, between him, De Paul, and McAllister with Messi everywhere. Could you push Enzo a little bit more? Have Paredes sitting in there? Maybe, but out of possession, Paredes is not, doesn't have the energy and the legs that Enzo has. A word on Australia, because... Yeah, you can do that. Oh, my God. 
No, it's okay. They played with hearts. I love teams that play with hearts. At the this very just end, not my cup of tea. No, but my rem- a reminder that at the very end, in the final, final moment, Emi Martinez had to come up with a huge save. Yeah. And that, again, reminds you, tournament football, how quickly it can change. And this is, that's when true. I talk about Argentina's fragility, that's what I'm talking about. You can't rely on Emi Martinez making a tremendous save. After off this kid, this, this 18-year-old who's going to yeah, Newcastle, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's like, he's got like three caps or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, this is Australia. I, I, you look at those people. It, I, it shouldn't be that hard to beat them. 100%. I mean, honestly, other than Lecky and Moy, I think most people hadn't even heard of you. And Matt Ryan, who, of course, gifted them the goal. Yeah. You know, in the end, remember Argentina. Remember what happened. You say, oh, it was unlucky well, um, for the goal that we conceded. Yeah, but very lucky for the goal you scored. Yeah, so yeah. even out. So in the end, Argentina with all the stars, you've beaten them by one goal. Yeah, and you didn't create them any chances. Completely. I agree with you. And you know what? The Dutch are going to provide such a hell of a challenge. It's going to be difficult. And tactically, they're going to be much better than the Australians, much better than Mexico, much better than Saudi Arabia, much better than Poland. And I don't know. For me, it's a real 50-50, this one. Yeah, of course, you've got Messi. You can tell me that. But I think the Dutch will provide a big, big challenge. On paper, Jules, I'll tell you right now, I agree. I think this game is going to be decided either by set pieces or one of the two M's, Memphis or Messi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash gab terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right enough argentina how about some quick hits instead Let's go, gab. the united states men's national team the usmnt are out of the world cup losing to holland Jules, have we been underestimating Louis van Gaal and being a little bit unkind to him? This was the best performance, for sure. But before that, let's be honest here, it was not great. It was, no, no, the word, the word is called dreck. Yeah. Dreck. What's dreck? Dreck is a word that's like something... It's a real that, word. Yes, it's a German word, and it's a German for something that generally might rhyme with, say, would might, if you see where I'm going with that. Not sure. But anyway, this was the best performance. They were far more mature, far more experienced than the... Then the Americans, I think, including on both benches, they had a proper plan, which was to basically just play it in the channels, hardly anything. If you look at the passing map, went through the middle. It was all from the wingbacks to Memphis to Gabco, and then the wingbacks were heavily involved. There's a goal from one with the assist from the other wingback. There's a goal from the other wingback with the assist from the first one. And that worked really well. And you know what? I think they're going to do exactly the same against Argentina. So bypassing that midfield by going wide into the channels, and that could well work again. 
that might be another situation where he might, he might be tempted to put somebody like Montiel, for example, to counter that. But by the way, shout out to my man Denzel Dumfries. Yeah, great. He, he, he's the tournament guy, right? So far, he's been. He's <laughs> no, been no, but I'm saying, like, like when a big tournament, yeah, yeah, let's like, the Euros. he's there. And, and when they went back to the hotel, you see that video when they, they you know, as usual, the, the staff of the hotel is clapping music. And then at the end, Van Raal is there with his phone like your granddad at a wedding. <laughs> so good, man. So By good. the way, where was Anthony Robinson on the third goal? Yeah, um, that's the yeah. thing. Americans players, please, can you learn how to mark players? How to, f you know, follow players who then end up on their own in the box? Because this is not on. This is not good. Come on. Not at this level. No, not good. Sticking with the USA, Greg Berhalter's contract is now up. Gabby, Casey Keller, who knows him really well, who's a friend, suggested that he may be tempted by club football in Europe and might not stick with the national team. What do you think? What do you think he would go or what he would do? I, to be perfectly honest, I think if you talk about club football in Europe, if you're thinking, you know, a team in the big five leagues, I don't know that there are teams who are going to – and there's still a lot of prejudice – against American coaches. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're going to look at this and be like, oh, look, the guy who got the U.S. to the round of 16 and lost to Holland, meh, I'm going to go for one of my own. Like, I think it's, it, there's still a definite prejudice. Jesse Marsh, different situation. He'd coached, you know, he was an assistant at Leipzig. He'd, he'd coached in the Champions League with, with, with Salzburg. Yeah. Um, I don't think that this is the road for him. Personally, I think he should stay. I think the United, U.S. Soccer Federation Me too. would be mad to lose him at this stage. Uh, but, you know, the, the, it's been a conversation in the U.S. I, again, I don't watch the – obviously, I'm here. I don't watch the coverage there. But a lot of people were so gung-ho about Holland. A lot of people picked uh, uh, the U.S. to yeah. go deep into the tournament. And a lot of not, – not so much the typical U.S. soccer fan who's generally more realistic. But, you know, when you get a tournament, all these people jump on the bandwagon. And they're all like, oh, look, you know, what did he screw up? They should have beaten Holland. They should, they should have gone to semifinals or whatever. And, guys, we need to temper expectations here. We need to look at what he has to work with. We need the youngest team we in the World Cup. Exactly. This we is a learning curve for them. And we saw that in that game against Holland, which was a step too high for them. France beat Poland 3-1. Jules, you were there. Was this ever really in doubt? Well, it was a bit shaky in the first half. I think they were nervous. I was nervous. That, I, that sequence ah, with the three shots on goal. Um, yeah, Zelinski, come on. We love him. We love you. And you're doing great okay. with Napoli. But why is he just using power and literally hitting Lloris? It looks like dodgeball. And he had, to, he had to hit it on Lloris instead of like, I don't know, maybe trying to place it where there was no goalkeeper or no defender. Are you a little bit more concerned rather than we can mark Zelensky in the finishing there, but should we maybe take issue with the fact that they had those three chances, one after the other? Yeah, the I mean, sequence? it was on the same move, but yeah, that, I don't know what would have happened if, if Poland had scored then because France controlled the game without being amazing before that and then Giroud scored before the break, lovely assist by Kylian, Giroud's record, blah, 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 and then Kylian, it was the masterclass in that second half, so... I still think this is a France team okay. with issues. I think it's a France team that, yes, has Kylian in a similar way that Argentina have Messi, which is not just the answer. But I guess you, you take that and, and you move on. Mr. Tecker has talked me through the French, the second goal, the, the Mbappe one where he's... I, I didn't think he was going to shoot from there. I thought, thought he was, was going to curl it. I thought he was going to curl it or I thought he was going to take it forward and try to beat somebody or, or do something. And I thought... Wow, what a finish. Yeah. It's yeah, not something we see that often from his arsenal in terms of the embody. I, I feel like a lot of them are different sorts of finishes, side foots, or, or ones where he places it. This, he just leathers it. 
Yeah, but more he's been doing it more lately because I think everybody expects that curler that he does so well, like he does on the third goal, for example. The one and he I learned think, from Insigne. And I think I think Chesney is ex is expecting that one on that goal, and instead he catches him a little bit by surprise by hitting it with his laces so hard, kind of, you know, in the other corner if you want, or in the other side. And I think he's great. He's on such great form. Five goals already in this competition. He wants that golden boot. He said it before. To get it, he will have to beat England in the quarterfinals, though. And talking about strikers, Gabby, Poland's goal came from the spot via Robert Lewandowski in the final moments of injury time. But what did you make of his penalty? I know the answer already. Yeah, so, look, I thought it was just stupid. Like, like he goes, he does the little... Jorginho, yeah, or he Bruno, he Bruno. He tries to do the Bruno with a little jaw. I mean, come on, man. Like, you're 3-0 down. You've lost the game. It's literally, like, minute nine of injury time. Yeah. The game is over. Just take a normal penalty, score it, and go home. Now, as it happened, Yoris, obviously was having such a fun time, wanted to extend the game. He jumps out like a meter off his goal. <laughs> so even though yeah. he saves it, uh, then they have to take it again. Him. I know. And he does it again. And you could see Hugo Yoris is like, I don't care. Go ahead. Roll it in the corner. Honestly, did you think Yoris made any effort? I I thought he, he waited until the last minute, but then Lewandowski chose the other side. I, I, I it just was like screw it was this. A bit, it was a bit tricky. It's, it's just, it's, there's no need to, to kind of showboat in that. Nobody gains from nah, it. In fact, I, we know what would have been a nice gesture. Let Camel Glick take the penalty. <laughs> no, whatever. I should be the guy. Ben Narek who came on at the end just for a few minutes. Yeah. Well, no, but, but I mean Glick's like 39 years yeah, old yeah, yeah, now. Like you know, crap, yeah. or, or whatever. Like you, you know, you don't need this. Come nah, on. That's true. That's true. Uh, Olivier Giroud and Hugo Lloris both set records, Jules. Which one impresses you more? I mean, I can't pick, Gabby. One is the all-time leading top goal scorer, of course, Giroud. So overtaking Thierry and being on his own now with 52 goals in, in 117 caps. I think it's an incredible record to break, to hold for now, however long yeah. he lasts uh, before Kylian or Griezmann breaks it. But he's great. He's 36. And as we've been saying before, the story is incredible considering no one believed in him when he was younger and he had to work so hard to get there. Well done. And for Lloris... Not many people believed in him in Arsenal too at the end among the family. Yeah, but, no, true. Yeah. But, and for Lloris, the most capped player in French football history, equal with Thuram now and he will beat Thuram for the quarterfinals against England. One, four, two caps. It's just incredible. He started 14 years ago. I was at that game against Uruguay that Neil Neil drew in November 2008. That's how long it was. I was young, fit... You know, I will tell you football. what's more impressive. Giroud is more impressive because Hugo Reese is a goalkeeper. Doesn't Tremendous matter. achievements, both. One, four, two caps. It's incredible. He's a goalkeeper. It doesn't matter. It is incredible. Well done. Well done to both of you. And you know, I love you. I love you. Kobe dearly. Jones has like 300 caps. England defeats Senegal to advance to the quarterfinal and play France, of course. Gab, they've already scored more goals in this tournament than any England team at any World Cup in the past. Do we need to stop calling Gareth Southgate defensive or conservative? Uh, no, we don't. No, because, <laughs> because it's three defensive midfielders anyway. This is the way they play. And yeah, you score six. I mean, first of all, the total numbers when you scored six against Iran, that tends to skew yeah. it. Three against an already uh, virtually eliminated Wales. Um, but I thought this was mature. I thought this was a classic trap game for them. If you're going to play this way, this is the way to do it. They had to scare early on. Um, Would I die with a big chance? Big save. Yeah, we're really, chance. you know, and then it might have been a different story, but. But they executed. They obviously believe in him. Yeah. I mean, onwards and upwards. Uh, again, I think you're going to run into problems maybe already in the next round against France. We're going to preview that properly uh, on our next show. But uh, for now, if you're going to play this way, this is how you do it. Yeah.
Neymar is back in training with Brazil ahead of their game against South Korea. He may not be ready, but if they advance... We should see him in the quarterfinal. How big is this, Jules? Yeah, he's big. It's great news. He trained with the squad now two days in a row. Clearly, his ankle is fine now. I think he would be on the bench against South Korea in that game. And if really there's a need and if they go down yeah. or something, he could come on. But the idea very much well, is not to risk anything and then get him ready and fully fit for the quarterfinals. I think they would have five days maybe yeah. before their quarter. So and that's good. That's a good time. Can I say or something? Four days. All those medical experts who look at his, like, giant, freakishly giant foot, and they're like, oh, there's a deep muscle edema. Oh, no, he's definitely not coming back. Seriously. Yeah, Stop playing doctor looking at somebody's Stop. foot. Yeah, his foot, he looks like a freak with a giant foot. So what? <laughs> gonna, the sweating will go down. If the doctors tell you the chance he comes back, trust the doctors. They do this for a living. Speaking of South Korea, Gabby, their coach, Paulo Bento, is unhappy that they have to play the two games, only 72 hours apart, so between the last group game and the last 16 game. And he's not the only one, by the yeah, way. Yeah, others raised this. Um, Scaloni Arnold, for Argentina Scaloni, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, I, you know what? I'm, I'm assuming, I, I, I don't know for a fact because I haven't checked Paulo Bento's record. I'm assuming Paulo Bento has no interest in ever coaching in top-level European club football ever again, and neither does Scaloni, because this is normal. I'm sorry, I, I don't, club teams do this all the time, and guess what? Club teams also travel. They take airplanes, they go to other countries, and then they fly back. So you play on Wednesday, and then you play again on Sunday. I'm Saturday, sorry, well, what are we talking about? I know, and also they face they play Brazil, who played on the same day, right? So it's I, not it's like if Brazil so had an extra stupid. day of recuperation. We should stop. Yeah, but even if they had an extra day, I think scientifically we know it doesn't make much of a difference. That's true. But, but, like, let's just stop with this. That's very true. Back to Brazil because Gabriel Jesus is out for up to three months, and Chichi is angry. Yeah, Jules. now Teta is crying right now, and so are all the Arsenal fans in the world because this is this is the kind of news that you don't want from this World Cup that every club was hoping to avoid. No injuries. No problem, please. Gabriel would need surgery, I think, on his on his knee. That, as you said, up to three months off. It's, it's a terrible blow for us. It's a blow for Brazil as well, of course. Uh, I can see, I can understand why Chichi is angry. But if you're Arsenal and, and if you're Mikel Arteta, considering how important for you Gabriel is and has been before, it's, it's so Chichi is angry because some people, I don't know if in Brazil or some of our mischievous colleagues in England, have suggested that, oh, Gabriel Jesus was injured before the World Cup and he shouldn't have taken him and he aggravated this. And Chichi says it's nonsense. Yeah. You don't believe that, right? I don't know. No. I oh, by know. the way, before we move on, I didn't put this in a quick hits. I forgot. But, you know, I like to sometimes make fun of Arsenal. You may have noticed. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say something very nice about Arsenal. Um... Arsenal are the only club in the Big Six whose wage bill has actually shrunk. Yeah, it decreased. Yeah. And now, obviously, and I go back to this, it matters how much you pay people. It, it's funny. You go with Aubameyang, and now he's gone. Bring in younger players. Younger players make less money. Your wage bill goes down. Also helps they weren't in Europe because they didn't pay European bonuses last season. But still, this yeah, is significant. No, no, no. It is, and it, it shows is. you they're going to have wiggle room now when they have to extend some of those contracts. Yeah, that's true. Well done, Arsenal. Well done, Edu. Okay, enough feel-good stuff, Gabby. Tell me more about Juventus' more recent problems. So they're now being investigated by civil justice, as in the cops, sporting justice, the Italian Stock Exchange, Ooh. and UEFA, oh. and Cristiano oh. Ronaldo's lawyers. Um, What's all of that? Oh, God. So essentially, there's basically three aspects to this. One is that during the pandemic, when everybody took pay cuts, uh, but two aspects, I should say. Uh, they essentially 
they reported the, the pay cuts and the deferred wages. They basically misreported them in their accounts so that yeah. their accounts could look better for one year and then kind of take the hit the following year, which you are not allowed to do. It is quite significant accounting-wise. Um, it's incredible. There's like... There's sort of like a, a, a wiretaps of Giorgio Chiellini who negotiate on behalf of the players saying, yeah. guys, nobody tell anybody about this, but we'll get most of the money back later, okay? But it's a big secret. Uh, this is aye, aye, aye. yeah, this is not good, is if, not if good. proven, if proven, of yeah, course. Yeah. But the other thing is what we've talked about before. It is the player trading. It is the archer with Pjanic. Look, we're swapping players. Let's inflate the values. And, you know, because... When you sign a player, as I've said many times, you amortize the cost of the signings over five years. And when you sell a player, you book the money coming in straight away. So um, they they took it to an extreme. Cristiano Ronaldo's involved as well because apparently it's been reported that there are suspicious uh, side agreements over money that's owed to him, something close to 20 million. I know suggesting Cristiano or his lawyer have done anything incorrect as of right now, but they want to find out more about it. Ooh, it is messy. It is extremely messy. messy. Um, I don't think the criminal trial is going to resolve itself in a long time. Sporting Justice is going to have to come up with some uh, w- w- with some sort of solution to yeah. this. Uh, people talk about relegation whatnot. I don't think that's going to happen. But it's really going to hurt them. There's even suggestions they might delist off the stock exchange wow. attempt to do that, which is also very difficult to do. More Ronaldo, Jules. A poll, and this really shocked me, by the Portuguese daily Abola yeah. found that 70% of respondents think he should not start against Switzerland in the round of 16. And by the way, I'm going to assume these are Portuguese people and Portugal fans who responded, yeah. not Swiss fans who infiltrated Abola's website. I don't think so. I'm surprised that you're surprised because we mentioned this before back in September in the last international break. They were already in the media, in the Portuguese media, some articles and some calls about him not starting, him being dropped or being coming off the bench, for example, instead of starting all the time. And people can say whatever they want. Fernando Santos is not going to drop him anyway. So I, I tell you right now, he will start against Switzerland. Well, you say that, but there's suggestions that when he was substituted last time, there were words yeah, between, that's not true. between Cristiano. You know why like, he played oh, that like, game, right? Because he wanted to score so much. Because there, there was no need for him to play that game against South Korea. He's a competitor. Right? He wants to play all the time. Yeah, but he wants to score more goals now that some have overtaken him in the goal scoring World Cups, for example. You know? Yeah, we can never have enough of Cristiano Ronaldo on this show, of course, as everybody knows. He has reportedly been offered 200 million a year to join Al Nasser in the Saudi League. Gab, I get a sense of déjà vu there, but his friend Piers Morgan has other ideas. Yeah, so Piers Morgan doesn't think he's going to go to Al Nasser and get nope. paid 200 million. Uh, he it's a three-year deal or something, or two-year deal. You know what? It's a nonsense deal. It's a deal that some Muppet said, and then one paper reports, and then because we're all like sheep, bah, bah, right? We go, we talk about this nonsense. Okay. 200 million, like honestly, like I, I know people have a lot of money. I have no idea who owns Al Nasser. I have no idea. But like, there's no reason to pay him $200 million. This is just so out of whack with anything, with, with, with any logic, right? I mean, yeah. you wouldn't pay Mbappe $200 million. Uh, a, a year, right? No, would you? But no, no, one okay. would no, never nobody, pay anyone right? like that. Yeah. No, and so yeah, I, I, I think it's nonsense. I think it's some people looking to get other publicity. So and why would uh, you go there anyway? Don't go there for the money. No, like, try to I, enjoy the last few years of your career. 
I think he wants to play for a Champions League team in Europe. I think he, if he can't get a big Champions League team, he'll go to a lower Champions He's League team. He's going to go to Sporting. I know it. He's going to go to Sporting. I, I'd like it if he did. I, I think would, it would be a it fun would. end to this. It would. Some of that luster has worn off Spain, Jules. How are they looking uh, ahead of their game against Morocco? Yeah, you know, I think I think they that defeat against Japan has sort of hurt them. I think this was a big wake-up call for them, for Luis Enrique as well, who, by the way, has been great. If you watch him on Twitch, you know, saying great stuff like, let the kids enjoy football, let them play, yeah. you know, don't it, put it, them it, under too much pressure. It's been really good, to be fair. It's been good. It's all going to get really old and the, the, the magic's going to wear off very quickly. Yeah, if no, and especially up, yeah. if they get knocked out in the last 16 by Morocco. A Morocco team that is very good. We mentioned that before. And it's very and that, Spanish, too, with Ashraf Hakimi. And can cause a lot of problems, I think, to this Spanish team who will have to... Be more creative and have better idea and more flair than what they showed against Japan, for example, against a, against a tough defense. More creative and more flair. Obviously, they have players who can do that. Do you think he might change his base lineup? And I'm not just talking about starting Morata. I think you might consider that. I don't know that he will. Do you see that maybe... More Benjamin Busquets. Is that what you mean? He's I think got Busquets, players. He's got talented players there. Gavin Pedri and Busquets, I think, is going to... They, if we, you say the problem is creativity, I know, I know Gavi and Peter are fantastic. Yeah, but you're pointing a finger at those two guys. Well, it's not just them being the creative touch. Also, how you put them in well, that you team. You want Paul Torres to be creative. No, 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 no. How you play them in that team. You know, there's a point where maybe you can look a bit more for the verticality than what you usually do. There may be a point where, right. you know, there's, there needs more, there need more movement because at times it was too stale against the Japanese. Well, Everybody stayed in the position. So this is the part I don't understand, and this to me is a coaching. And you know, I love uh, Lucho, right? Danny Olmo's had, what, three years working for Leipzig where it's all verticality yeah. all the time. Ferran Torres, we know, is naturally a vertical player. Pep Guardiola told us, and he comes from City, right? Or came from, he was at City for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So he's got that verticality. Morata is all about verticality, right? None of these people is like the winger that goes on the... Marco Asensio, different story. But what's the problem other than the instructions from the coach? Yeah, I think there's a lack of movement in that team, I have to say. I don't I think I would say that for a Spanish team, but it does. It's unusual, isn't it? It's very unusual. Uh, and it, they need to find an answer very quickly because we can easily see a repeat of that Japanese, the Japan defeat against this Morocco side who have bowlers and very strong defense as well. Arsene Wenger suggested that some teams may have been distracted by all the business with the, love, the one love armbands and the protests in general and off, off the field and politics. I think he used the yeah. word politics before the start of the tournament, like we saw with Germany, for example, and basically saying, like, you know, the ones who, who thought too much about politics didn't start well the competition. What do you think? I love Arsene Wenger. I think he's given a lot to the game. I think he should just shut up about but this. <laughs> this, is complete, this is complete idiocy and nonsense. <laughs> Honestly, this is stuff that was orchestrated with the FAs. The players would have raised obje objections if they knew it bothered them. The coaches would have raised objections. I, I just don't understand. Well, you, you, we think players are so stupid they can't focus on two things like one. Oh, look, Harry Kane is wearing an armband. Oh, I think this might upset me. I, come on. I, yeah. I don't, distraction? Are we serious? No, really? I know, I know. I know what you mean. I, I honestly, mean. this is so stupid. Look, like, this has been free. Did he feel he had to I, say it? Maybe. Like? I, I don't know if he, I. I would hope he's his own man. Doesn't feel he has to go there. I, I've been watching the local network here, BN Sport. Obviously, Qatarion. They have their own view. They, they've mocked. Uh, they've made fun of Germany for going home and the protests. Whatever. That's fine. You know, they can go and say that. But Arsene Wenger is a serious person. I yeah, do not expect this from him. I know. I know. I know. I know. Reports suggest that Kylian Mbappe has been intentionally ah. tried to cover the Budweiser logo when collecting his Man of the Match awards. 
Does this seem plausible to you, Jules? Completely. Uh, really? It's not just because Mbappe's head is very big. No, he doesn't want to, to be associated. That's why in the first two games where he got man of the match, which were Denmark and Australia, he didn't do a photo, didn't do an interview like you're supposed to do when you're man of the match. Uh, and he got a little bit in trouble with FIFA. So this time he felt like he had to do it. But yeah, he's not... He doesn't want to be associated with a with a alcohol brand. And let's be clear, it's because it's because he's he's a practicing Muslim and he doesn't. No, he, no, 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 oh no, no, no. It's just, it just it just doesn't want his his name and his image associated with some brands like okay. junk food, like alcohol, like gambling, betting, that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, yeah, I mean, I've whatever, got loads of respect but, you know. for him, and that's okay. obviously at the part of that big battle with the marketing rights of the, of the national team. Gab, we didn't mention this earlier because uh, we don't want to be it to be a big deal, but it kind of is a big deal. So we have to mention, but Stephanie Prafar led an all-women officiating team in the Germany-Costa Rica game for the first time ever, and she made history again. Um, like I said, this shouldn't be news. She, she's, she's talented. It's she has great. a track record. This is not the case of somebody who was promoted because she is a woman. Yeah. This isn't lip service. This is somebody who's, 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 coach, who's worked at some huge games in European football. And hopefully yeah, this won't be news soon. Exactly. She deserves it. Jules, there are rumors that Karim Benzema could fly back to Qatar if France advanced to the uh, semifinal. Yeah. Care to address them? Yes, yes, he's going to be very quick. No, this is not going to happen. He's on holidays right now in La Réunion Island uh, of Madagascar. That's very far. Although not, children, the, although not that happy. far from here. From well, Madagascar to here is not that far. Okay, still, I'm sure Qatar Airways flies. So. Still, I don't know where that rumor came from. Even Deschamps was a bit embarrassed when we asked him. He said, no, it's not on my mind. It's not on Karim's mind. I can tell you that. It's a shame. He would have loved to be here. He's injured. He can't play football right now. So What if he gets it? better and Giroud bumps his head? Ah, okay. I mean, technically, he's still in the squad, so he would get a medal if we win the World Cup. Not that he would want it, but yeah. But that's it. That's right. where he stops. Pelé has reassured us, Gabi, that he's in stable condition after giving us all a big scare. Yeah, let's, let's be clear. He's still in stable condition. He's, he's not out of the woods yet. Obviously, you know, he's 82 years old now. Yeah. Um, there were rumors which have been proven incorrect. I, for me, it's just an opportunity to speak about the man who rightly is Ore, um, you know, and we just all want him to get to get better because he has given so much of this game. He was probably the first global superstar, arguably in any sport. Yeah, I mean, him, Muhammad Ali, roughly contemporaries. Yeah, same time. Yeah, um, I, I can't think of anybody before that. Maybe Jesse Owens, but Jesse Owens, you know, that was the Olympics that kind of came and went, you know. So uh, all I can say to Ore is. Get well yeah, soon. Get well soon. Exactly. Jules, this brings us to an end. But what do you say we come back on yes. Wednesday, December 7th? Yeah, that's perfect. I'm Absolutely. free. I'm free that day. All right. We'll be previewing uh, all the quarterfinal options, uh, actions. Until then, love yourself. Love the game. Love, love yourself. No. Love your I mean, neighbor. Love, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. I'm just testing you, Jules. <laughs>
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Gabjewels. 